Welcome to KYH2O, a podcast about all things water in Kentucky. I'm Carmen Agaritas, an Extension Associate Professor in the Biosystems and Agricultural Engineering Department at the University of Kentucky. And I'm Amanda Gumbert, an Extension Specialist for Water Quality with the University of Kentucky Cooperative Extension Service. Join us as we get our feet wet exploring Kentucky's water resources. Amanda, you got to meet uh, with one of my favorite people in the College of Agricultural Food and Environment, and that was Dr. Lou Hirsch out of Plant Pathology. I did. I sat down with Lou um, a bit ago, and, you know, I didn't know Lou really at all. I knew his name, and I I kind of knew, you know, what his subject area was. Um, But he has um, some interesting hobbies as well. So let's let Lou tell us exactly what his role is here in the College of Agriculture, Food, and Environment at UK, um, but also a little bit about what he likes to do in all of his free time. Yeah, so I um, so I study plant diseases or the microbes that cause plant diseases, so fungi, bacteria, and viruses, and I teach our department's um, introduction to plant pathology class, which is a senior level class. And um, I'm also the director of the Ag and Medical Biotech program, so my other areas of focus are on uh, gen- genetically engineered crops and uh, the effect of like biotechnology to society. Okay. Prior to... Um, going to graduate school and getting a PhD and becoming a faculty member here, I was a professional scuba diver, and I worked in uh, Florida and San Diego, and I actually got my captain's license through the Coast Guard uh, and managed a scuba diving charter company out of San Diego. So I found that what Lou had to say was really interesting. First of all, I'm interested scientifically at what he does, and he's very passionate about that and seems very passionate about teaching students. Um, But, uh, you know, being a scuba diver in Kentucky, um, sometimes those things don't necessarily go together. Um, but he can tell us a little bit more um, about the dive scene here in Kentucky, which is much more robust than I ever imagined. Yeah, we don't get a lot of you know, international travelers to the Kentucky dive scene, um, but uh, there are there is some okay diving. I think that 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 folks can can get a good weekend or two here in Kentucky. Um, although most of our divers um, will do a couple dives over the summer, but they mainly travel. Um, the nearest uh, best diving um, from here is um, a quarry in Hopkinsville called Penny Royal. So that's about you know three and a half hour drive away. But that water's really clear. There's a quarry um, north of Louisville in Lagrange called Falling Rock Park. It used to be called Joe's. That you could go. Um, you may just floats and they got a bounce tube. Uh, but there is some scuba diving infrastructure there. Uh, it's only 40 feet deep, but they sunk some cars and some boats and some statues. So there is some stuff to see. Uh, and then also the local lakes are, are surprisingly fun to dive in. Uh, they clear cut when they when they dammed, let's take Laurel Lake, for example, down by Corbin. When they dammed that, they c- clear cut the woods down to about 60 or 70 feet deep. So that way there wouldn't be trees sticking out, hitting boat propellers. Um, but if you, so if you get down that deep, you're diving through the denuded forest underwater, which is pretty cool. So I didn't know Lou was a diver um, either until just before this episode, but I was also pretty amazed, like you, I think, that so much diving actually does go on in Kentucky. I usually associate diving with oceans. Right, just the coast. And, you know, I've been on vacations and seeing, you know, advertisements for dive shops and, um, you know, my husband dives, so I'm um, at least familiar with it, Um, but 
let's listen to, to Lou talk about a local dive shop that he works with and um, how it connects back to his role as a professor at UK. But it's New Horizons Diving. They actually teach a, the scuba class here at UK. It's KHP 117. Students can enroll for a one credit um, you know, exercise science class and get scuba certified. Um, but uh, yeah, we, we teach everything from, um, we call open water diver, so your intro diver, all the way to um, dive master, which is like a professional level certification, just short of instructor. So Carmen, we're sitting here in the studio and as we're um, working and recording and our listeners are well aware that you and I get to do all the chatter here and we have um, Brian Vollen who's behind the scenes and doing the editing and the technical work that makes our podcast happen. And so we want to bring Brian in and let you meet him. Um, and also hear a little bit about Brian's experience as a diver. So Brian, tell us what you um, have done as a diver, what your experience is. Yeah, some, diving is something uh, I've been interested in and started. In fact, as a UK student years ago, I took the class that Lou talks about through with New Horizons through the UK uh, KHP course and uh, became certified. We went out to the LaGrange Quarry, learned, got our certification, and since then, um, ha I've had the opportunity to dive in a, a couple, uh, a couple of places outside Kentucky, and and also several places within the state, and uh, it's a fantastic hobby. Is that a common way for students to, or people that are interested? to get in diving the way that you did it, like taking a class at UK? So when I took the class at UK, it was full and it filled up very quickly. So I, I believe, and they, that class has run, was long running when I got there and it's still, uh, it's still a popular class. So I think that, um, yeah, that class is a great gateway to get people into it. From my experience, most new divers are brought in by a friend or they have an interest and maybe they go check out a, a local class or sometimes they'll be out on vacation and you'll see a local dive shop might run a uh, exploratory course so you can kind of get underwater and see what it's all about and see if it's something that you want to do. I, for me it was something I had always been interested in and was excited but never pursued but was excited once I saw the class was offered at UK. From when you were in the class and any knowledge that you have of other classes, was there a wide um, variety of student majors or interests? Um, did they tend to have a natural resources interest or was it just across the board? I've always been interested in swimming and fishing and I thought that might be a good way to combine the two. I always wanted to see what was under the water. So I took it as more of a recreational focus, uh, but I believe the class was pretty mixed. Uh, there was definitely plenty of people who wanted to get certified and go off to Hawaii and dive and, and uh, or maybe go down to Mexico and dive and just do um, you know, warm, warm climate, tropical type diving. Uh, but then there were definitely uh, students with a uh, biological background that were trying to bring some, um, a different focus uh, to the reason why they were taking the dive course. So if folks have an interest in learning how to dive, um, it looks like there's some opportunities here um, in Central Kentucky. I know that there probably are other shops, um, maybe in the Louisville and Northern Kentucky areas. Uh, but let's listen to Lou talk about the different levels of certification that and training that may be needed and um, a little bit about um, how you deal with situations for somebody like me who's a bit claustrophobic, I'm just going to admit I'm not real excited about doing this, but there's a part of me that 
is. I'm very curious because I'm like you, Brian, I really would like to see more and be closer to the things that are underwater because um, it's just a, a totally different world. So let's hear what Lou has to say about certification. There's six different ranks of scuba instructor and I'm the third one, which is called a master scuba diver trainer. And uh, it's about as high as one would go if they weren't gonna make a career out of scuba diving. Mm -hmm. So I could get some higher certifications, but it wouldn't impact my day-to-day -day or my you know year-to-year, -year, I guess, uh, instructing. And every year I instruct somewhere between 40 and 80 divers in various disciplines of scuba, all the way from just the pool sessions of an intro class all the way to advanced certifications. But um, in the pool, the way that uh, at least Patty, our uh, professional organization, has their course is structured, you do all of your uh, book learning and all of your knowledge reviews online prior to the your first Saturday. And then you have a weekend, Saturday and Sunday, of doing a kind of a final exam thing just to check the book learning, and then go to the pool and practice all of the skills that you read about and saw in the videos. Then after you complete the pool sessions, then you go to what we call open water, which is for us a lake, or it could be on vacation somewhere, where it's, uh, it's enclosed. So even in the ocean, you could do like a bay, something where it's just kind of still and calm and there's not a lot of waves or anything like that. But um, yeah, so some people come into the pool session, no fear, uh, and just get in, no problem. Uh, but a lot of people come in with some amount of anxiety. And actually, that's, that's where we make our money as scuba instructors, are helping those students. Uh, because if, it's, if you're comfortable, it's just doing things with your hands underwater for five or six hours. It's pretty easy. But if there's some anxiety, then it's us almost like a therapist. And I'm not, I don't, that's a lowercase t therapist because my wife is a therapist and I know what she does is very different. But it is helping people overcome a lot of anxiety and stress that comes with doing something that our bodies have not evolved to do and something that's really unnatural. Um, and actually for, uh, so the claustrophobia, that's one thing we can, we can, there's different masks that kind of work a little bit better with bigger lenses and clear rubber seats around it so you don't feel like you're diving in the middle of a cave. Um, but uh, actually what I found to be the biggest issue for like f when people have serious trouble in the training session of the pool, and this is in four feet of water. So if something goes wrong, you could just stand up. That's why we start in the shallow end. But um, this is an unscientific number, but I think about 10% of people are nose breathers, meaning every time they breathe, they just breathe a little bit of air in through their nose. And that never causes any problem ever unless they're underwater with their mask off, breathing a scuba regulator. And then they suck in water through their nose and they're drowning. So for those, you know, plus or minus 10% of people who have been nose breathers their entire life, they have to essentially relearn how to breathe in the shallow end of a pool surrounded by strangers in order to move through the scuba weekend. Um, and I've had uh, three people quit the scuba class uh, since I've been teaching. This is my 16th year as an instructor. Um, two of those people were there for the wrong reasons. I think they were there because their partner kind of forced them to be, and they had, they were... They, they did not want to be there in the first place. They were looking for an out. And um, one student just couldn't get over her nose breathing. And she tried and tried and tried. But everyone else were able to, to, to work on it. You know, are they perfectly comfortable at the end of the pool weekend? You know, maybe not. But they can satisfy all the skill prerequisites. And I would feel comfortable putting them in an open water scenario. I listened to Lou talk about, like, nose breathers and mouth breathers, which I didn't really think of about. I always wondered if there was a subset of people like runners or athletes who are normally used to having to breathe through your mouth when you exercise, yeah, yeah, if they might be too. more um, predisposed to be more comfortable being underwater. You know, running last night and thinking about it, and I was like, huh, I wonder if because I'm run so much that I'm used to breathing through my mouth, if yeah. I would be more 
comfortable trying it. I've never, I've done scuba dive, not scuba diving, excuse me, I've done snorkeling and right. I felt perfectly fine doing that. Um, so I've always wondered, is that, would that translate to potentially being more comfortable trying scuba yeah. diving? I've snorkeled and I will say, I thought it was interesting listening to him talk about, um, you know, that breathing and, and kind of getting used to that. It does feel, I've noticed the first several breaths of snorkeling, it's very deliberate. Like I am thinking, breathe out of your mouth, you know, not trying to suck water in your nose. And, you know, sometimes you do that inadvertently. Um, but it, yeah, it's certainly a different mindset. And, you know, you totally have to switch your, your thoughts and actually consciously think about breathing. I think it's very relaxing. Um, I've dove a lot. I have over 1,500 scuba dives in, in, you know, in many different oceans all over the world. You know, Northern Hemisphere, Southern Hemisphere, Mediterranean, Atlantic, you know, I mean, everywhere. Um, and I don't get excited about too much anymore. And I know that kind of sounds jaded, but like I've seen a lot of coral reefs. I've, I've touched a 15 foot tiger shark. Like I've, I've penetrated Japanese war wrecks and in, in the, in the, in the South Pacific, like I've, I've done a lot. Um, so when I dive for fun, like on vacation, it's generally just, you know, one or two dives on a day. Um, or it's a very targeted dive trip with the shop going somewhere to, do like a great white shark, um, you know, cage diving thing in Mexico, or we went to the South Pacific to dive Chuuk Lagoon, which is um, a site of a World War II battle. Um, those I get excited about, anything that's really novel. But if it's just a vacation dive somewhere, I do it just to kind of relax, check it off the list a little bit. But I like the sound of the bubbles going over my face, because every time you exhale, you can kind of hear the bubble trickles. And also with scuba diving, once you get really comfortable, you, you use your lungs to control your buoyancy. So you're always kind of kicking in a straight line like you see in the movies. And if you want to go up, all you have to do is just kind of take a little bit larger than average breath. And then your lungs inflate a little bit, then your body goes up. And then you exhale, and then you go down. So you have really, once you get comfortable with it, it's kind of like riding a bike. You get really fine-tuned control of where your body is in the water. And you can do a lot of things that I think, you know, kids dream of in terms of just going up and down. Really just n not even thinking about it, just doing it. Right. Um, and also I like is nobody can talk to me. <laughs> so there's value there too. I mean, I, I, yeah, yeah. And I like the customer service aspect of it. Um, and then, uh, you know, one reason why I really like scuba instruction is because, and it mirrors on what I'm doing here at UK, I really like teaching people stuff. And I really like teaching people stuff in a hands-on way. Mm -hmm. So here at UK, I'm afforded the freedom to do a lot of lab classes. So I'm able to actually, you know, get into the lab and I teach genetics and molecular biology labs. It's, you know, pretty heady stuff, but we can get in there shoulder to shoulder with the students and do something. And scuba diving is the same way. It's just a really long lab class. And that's how I learned to teach was as a scuba instructor. So it actually, although the content area is a little bit different coming here to the College of Ag and learning molecular biology, it's the same sort of ideas that all lend toward a better product and a happier student. I think one of the things that appeals to me about um, scuba diving is a chance to be outside. I really, really enjoy doing that. And that seems to be something that, that Lou also shares a, a, a belief in or an interest in is getting outside. So let's hear about um, Lou's thoughts on why people might want to explore scuba diving. And why I think everybody should be a scuba diver is because the process of becoming a competent scuba diver ensures that people have self-reliance and people can critically think. Because scuba diving, if done well, is incredibly safe. There's these stats, you know, you're more likely to die in a car wreck driving to the dive site than you are to die scuba diving. Um, and that's because the training regime is really solid. 
And um, this is one of the few industries where people can be at some risk that isn't regulated by the government. It's actually all privately regulated, and as, in, as, as, as scuba agencies, we're very proud of that. And I think that speaks to the quality of the training program, that there hasn't needed to be a, whatever the FAA equivalent of scuba would be, you know, some, some group coming in to saying what we can and can't do. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think just being a scuba diver, even if you don't do it all that often, you're more aware of your surroundings. You think one, at least one step ahead, just so you don't put yourself in a situation where, you know, a dangerous thing can occur. Well, thanks for joining us for another episode of KYH2O as we've talked about the basics of scuba diving. And we hope that you will tune in for our subsequent episodes. We're going to explore more about our underwater world um, and how it's specific here in Kentucky um, and also a little bit about underwater ecology. So thanks for listening. You've been listening to Carmen Agaritas and Amanda Gumbert. Learn more about water at uky.edu forward slash BAE forward slash KYH2O. Subscribe to hear all episodes of KYH2O.